travelers this episode goes out in february which means i should stop loving this theme so much i should stop obsessing over how beautiful it is but i still don't i love it hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the indie diarist podcast a show on the human stories behind indie game development this is your loyal indie diarist and host anthony o. wolf and today i've got the second episode in a very special series uh, in collaboration with women-led games to highlight um, developers from underrepresented backgrounds and especially women um, talking about representation and all of that and uh, that's the second narrative designer in the series and hopefully uh, the second of many developers that I will bring on the show as part of this uh, long-term collaboration. But before we go into this episode with Andrea Saravia, as uh, she, I, I know she would like me to say her name, uh, shout out to my amazing patrons who support me every single month. Feinoku, Zugini, Fishbum Dev, and Pelek. You guys are incredible, and I don't know where I'd be without you. If you too want to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash theindiediris and look at my tiers. But now, let's get into Indie Diary number 35. Aha, I lied. Little disclaimer before we actually go into the episode. I realized that Riverside, my the platform I use to record these episodes, probably picked up the wrong microphone um, for this one. So unfortunately, my audio won't be as clean or as clear um, as usual. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what happened. I will make sure that my Riverside settings are correct for the next one. Um, but yeah, sorry. Now, into the actual episode. All right, hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Indie Diaries podcast that's shown the human stories behind indie game development. And this is a very special episode, even though it's part of the normal Indie Diaries series, which is my uh, main uh, content stream, um, because I've, I've done a lovely collaboration and little partnership with women-led games to feature some uh, female developers from the women-led games community ahead of their showcase in March. And today we have one of those guests who's uh, Andrea Sa Saravia, I suppose. Saravia. Is that how you say? Saravia, yes. there you go. My, my Italian origins helped me there because uh, you're from Latin America as far as I know. Ah, uh, va bene. Uh, si, ah, perfect, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm from, I'm from Colombia. But yeah, from um, Columbia, I yeah. did, um, no, I do know conversational Italian. I say my oh, Italian is kind of like my programming. You can, I can test it, I can read it, you know, Amazing. like you can read okay. code. But uh, no posso parlare molto bene. Just Amazing. Not. Okay, so <laughs> we we understand each other, and uh, if if some Italian awesome, words awesome. come to my come to my brain during this chat, then I'm sure you will understand them. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but yeah, let's start let's start with you actually, and this is all about you. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're based. Well, of course, you've already said that you're in Colombia, um, but uh, what are you working on right now? That kind of stuff. 
Oh yeah, so I should have clarified, like, I am from Colombia, uh, my name is Andrea Saravia Perez, um, Andrea is my first name though, a lot of people get that mixed up, and then Saravia Perez is the surname, as is the norm in Latin America, so I happen to be an award-winning um, polyglot, like we just kind of um, mentioned, and a narrative designer and QA tester, so I have around 10 credits, give or take, as a narrative designer, I've worked at Firexis Games, I've worked with Anima Interactive, Waste Studios, um, and, you know, I also got to work at an unreleased turn-based AAA game, so, uh, you know, no, no questions about that, please and thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, but more than anything, I just try to sort of like um, weave my Latinidad and stories of Latin America into the gaming industry so we have more diversity. And on top of advocating for diversity, I'm also advocating for unionizing efforts by being part of the strategy team um, with Yahtzee and the Game Developers Guild. Perfect. Yes. And uh, just to um, just to clarify, you've worked in AAA development, and of course, you're you're still working on an unannounced project now. Have you also yeah. worked on some of your personal some personal projects of yours just to weave that Latinidad, as you mentioned? Yeah. Um, so. I can't say much other than like know that every project that I've been in does have a touch of Latinidad in it. Mm -hmm. um, I have worked in the past in AAA, but post the layoffs in Firaxis, um, I've been looking for my new opportunity, my new adventure, let's frame it that way ever since. Um, and yeah, so the thing about Latinidad in video games is that oftentimes we see you can notice when someone who is not Latin American was spearheading the narrative and the development uh, of the right. game, right? <laughs> you know the examples that I'm referring to, and I don't have to say any names. Um, mm. But at its core, it's sort of like, you know, we need to have people in the room that are from those marginalized communities to mm. sort of like be able to speak up and say, hey, actually, we don't say hello compadre as often as you all think that we do <laughs> yeah. and there's also so many nuances and differences because i am very open about being from cartagena de indias because mm -hmm. that's from the coast of colombia and more often than not um, i honestly don't think i've seen another oh actually like i can count on one hand i should clarify how many developers from the coast i know most of the ones are from you know the center of mm -hmm. colombia like bogota the capital city medellin which is why their accents, their cultures, their mannerisms, so many things are different. And if that's just the differences in one country, you can imagine how the diaspora is incredibly diverse. So we, at least my goal is to sort of like not just bring Colombia on board into sort of like the um, stories that we feature in like games, be it independent, double A or triple A, mm -hmm. but we also need to feature feature other countries we need to feature countries that we don't often see with the spotlight mm -hmm. and more than anything also like latinidad stories that you often don't hear because unfortunately you don't hear that much about afro latinidad sort of like you know again taking the spotlight mm -hmm. um as you know a more white passing you know latino yeah, from mexico those are the ones that you often see mm -hmm. so um or sometimes in the worst case scenarios, you do see Afro-Latina characters, but not in a positive portrayal. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to be like realistic and then, um, you know, about the nuances and the history of Latin America, because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. But you can be realistic. You t can take from sort of like, you know, nonfiction and have a positive and authentic portrayal still is what I believe at least. 
I think I, I think you have an important point there. Just being believe having a believable and realistic portrayal of marginalized communities, or simple just culture, cultural exactly. uh, elements from other countries. And as an Italian, as someone who's a non-native English speaker who lives who lives in London in the UK, I know that you know it's it's easy for people to fall into stereotypes. Um, and uh, and just judge you based on on your background, but you know there's so much to people than just um, who where where they come from, and uh, there's just so much diversity in who we all are that is not always portrayed in the right way uh, in media. And actually, you you kind of anticipated and uh, anticipated you kind of um, yeah I suppose uh, you. Um, yeah, you kind of anticipated one of the questions that I was going to to ask you, which uh, which was about incorporating Latinidad in your games and why that was important. But let's let's get there one by one, what uh, like uh, step by step. I've got um, um, I've got a lot of um, interesting questions that I want to ask you, and uh, I've always like to start with a little icebreaker uh, for all, with all of my guests. I suppose we already broken the ice, but uh, let's let's Destroyed, see what you destroyed shattered yeah, it with a the hammer. Completely shattered it. But let's, I'm so let's... so sorry. It's just oh, it's I get okay. very it's excited perfect. when talking to people about it's, it. It's you're very passionate about about that, and it's great. So I, I'm sure your passion will come through uh, this chat as we go forward. But let's start with a little fun um, uh, gaming related question, which is: If you could be any game's character for a day, who would you be, and why? Um, game's character for a day. Um, probably Robin from Fire Emblem, um, Ooh, Awakening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I haven't played Fire Emblem, but I know the series. It's, uh, much beloved. My motivation is purely for the plot. Obviously, mm-hmm. the plot and the Obviously. possibility <laughs> story-wise. Yeah, totally not, because I might be able to sort of, like, see Crom in person. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, absolutely it's not. Yeah, no, no. Absolutely it's all not. the plot. It's all the plot. How dare you? So either you know, uh, Robin or Byleth, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So between those two. Yeah, I should really catch up on the Fire Emblem series. I know, I know, it's a good one. So yeah. I will it's, say, it's Engage is very interesting and a lot more welcoming to players because mm-hmm. it's not as like chess-like as mm-hmm. the other ones. It's not okay. as tiled and constrictive. Right. Okay. Yeah. I will. I will definitely check it out. And well, I guess um, I know you worked on some visual novels, but also the fact that you're um, the fact that you are so interested in narrative and being and just writing stories for games makes me wonder what are your earliest memories that involve video games? As in, what is the first thing you can you can think of? And think back to your childhood, the kind of games that you liked to play then. Like, no worries. Oh, no, this is an anecdote I share with everybody. Okay, perfect. Remember, <laughs> PlayStation 1. Uh-huh. Um, so my dad and my uncle played very fre- frequently. My uncle's actually insanely good at Galaga, I should highlight. Um, yeah. And so um, they were playing PlayStation 1, and I don't remember which Grand Theft Auto game they were playing, but they left the controller unattended for oh, no. three-year-old Andrea <laughs> to just... and. I always wonder how I picked up on, like, I thought it was a racing game, but then now I'm like, how did I know what a racing game was, though, yeah. right? And so okay. I picked up the controller, and I'm just sort of, like, crashing all over, you know, getting the, all the stars, and I'm of thinking, where, where does it say whether I'm winning? Am I winning? And I'm like, technically, you did have the stars, but... Maybe, you know, afterwards, um, the family took some measures where they realized 
perhaps a three-year-old should not be playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, uh, let's see. I do remember there being uh, racing games, like a lot of them. Like, um, uh, there was one, the one where there it has like an M symbol. I'm, I'm blinking out on the name. Like M the car symbol. is white, and it has uh -huh. like an M, a red M. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't it'll remember get... it, but right. Okay. So that's a, uh, that's another one I can remember. But more than anything, Sonic Heroes. Sonic Heroes Sonic is Heroes. sort of like core, you know, memory right okay. there because I would play and I my brothers were like infants i have twin brothers and so i would give them controllers that were not plugged in and because you played as three characters i'd be like people look you are sonic right now and he oh, would yes. play <laughs> who didn't do that i think i think a lot of people did that with their, with their younger Ooh, brothers and that's sisters. A listen they've been holding on that grudge for 16 years like <laughs> They don't forget. They just they, they don't, don't forget. forget. They don't forget. But yeah, now when it comes to narrative heavy though, um, I mean obviously it's one of those where you realize like there was, you know, um a lot of game design, ironically, and level design that I learned was like Little Big Planet. I oh, yes. I played all so of Little beautiful. Big Planet, like Little Big Planet one two three when playstation was trying to have like the motion we yeah, you know, thing we that. got it just for the game we got the yes. sackboy one like we are huge media molecule fans absolutely in the house. oh you're, you're speaking so, to someone who's absolutely in the same boat i mean but not even joking just before christmas i started i, I do have the little bit planet game but uh, i don't have a ps3 with me anymore so i installed an emulator and i played it on my computer um and uh like I, I played the first one back to back just in just yeah. in just about two weeks it still holds up so well it holds also, up so well yeah, yeah and also on. speaking to a lot of developers and knowing a little bit more about development you start to spot a few things especially if you play with the editor a lot and i did back in the day mm -hmm. i created so many levels i think i spent i don't know dozens of hours yeah. uh hundreds maybe of hours just creating levels in little big planet one and now, and I still remember the editor, so when I was playing the actual levels, now I could see exactly what they were doing with all those chains and all those, uh, the, 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 the different elements, the sensors and the keys and all the different logic. I was like, oh my god, this is genius. Yeah. Um, but yeah, beautiful speaking, game. So technically speaking, that means that we do have 16 years of experience using game engines, though. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's years. true. <laughs> Think yeah. about it. Think about it. You could put it in your CV. We, I yeah, put we put it in my resume. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah no. <laughs> I, I love playing it. Even the raising game, we had all of them. And so it was one of those where I feel like that sparked like sort of like that um, wanting to create games. But you don't really know there's a field for it in Colombia. Mm -hmm. um, people didn't know what like writing as a career was, like creative writing. They didn't know that. They knew that you could study literature, but not that you could make stories of as course, a living yeah. right so it's like if if like my family and and like for the most part a country did not know that creative writing was like a career that uh -huh. could be pursued narrative design it. was just not even in like you know crossing my mind mm -hmm. and then i want to say my brother's definitely gonna correct me this um probably when um Ilawi was released or so, um around that time was when we started to really get into league of legends Right. um like hardcore like you know i played before but as in like wake up you play you know morning noon and night doing semana santa like holy week because you know <laughs> country you yeah so it's just like you know uh that's um 
that's when we really got into the game, but I would just sort of like read the lore. I would just spend sort of like reading like the, again, like mind you, these are 200 plus characters and I memorized, I would watch Netcrit videos where he would just break down like the trailers, what's like, you know, in Root Terra, all of these things. So I was fascinated by it by, you know, that time and we could argue that since 2008. Um, and then, you know, I come to college and I'm thinking that I want to pursue sequential art, that I want to pursue graphic novel writing. Um, and I don't know what it was, but there was just something that um, drew me to sort of like a game writing class because it's like, oh, I didn't know we could do that. Like, sure, let's go for it. And um, it was a magical moment when you realize I'm a writer myself, like for my day job, I'm a social media manager and uh um and also write stories novels i wrote a couple games so i know exactly what you're talking about like to my, my first approach to games writing not as a writer but like realizing that you could actually write games was to the moon and i was like oh my god that that story is so beautiful i want to do this but sorry yeah interrupted you. Please there was on. oh no no worries so there was i remember 2018 there was the michael lewis foundation stopped by on the art colors that i went to and so it was basically um, the school that I went to had this policy where they knew of the myth of the starving artist. So it's good that they already like let you know ahead of time, like, hey, this is what you're up against. However, they marketed themselves as different because they had something at the time called the collaboratory. Now it's renamed Index. And so the collaboratory was that you would have real clients stop by the school and then hire students to work for them. So 2018, the Michael Lewis Foundation stopped by and they wanted, you know, students to pitch games. Mm -hmm. And they called me the writing person. Then I found out the that writing the writing person. person is actually a narrative designer. Mm -hmm. And so it was great because, you know, by 2018, I'm already pitching games to like, you know, in a way, stakeholders. Mm -hmm. um, take a couple, uh, you know, game writing class, advanced game writing class, figure out that's what I want to do. Um, but I did sort of like still want there to be an interdisciplinary approach that you don't often see with game writing, I notice, or narrative design. You see a lot of people that say, okay, I like the technical part of it and I like the writing part of it and I'm going to mesh them both. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's great. That's the definition of the job. But how are you going to communicate to the art director how you want to convey a story through art? How yeah. are you going to convey through cinematics? How are you going to communicate with sound? So... I don't recommend this personally, but I had my creative writing major, and then I had three minors and okay. five jobs. <laughs> wow, right? Yeah, that's... And I was doing game jams and networking and hundreds of applications a night because I really wanted a job, yeah. catering to dozens a night. Wow. Um, it was an interesting and fascinating time. Yeah, that's I can imagine that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was a little bit tired afterwards, I will admit. Um, after all, I'm not Superwoman. Um, though I do look up to Linda Carter. But yeah, um, after, you know, sort of like that spree of just applying and networking, um, that sort of like sets like a domino effect of events that lead to me being hired as a writer in Firaxis, which I was like super happy about. It was honestly like, you know, my mentor reached out to me uh, and, you know, they just let me know like, hey, just a heads up, because when you are very vocal about what you're looking for and, you know, you saw me on LinkedIn on my profile looking for work as a narrative designer, narrative design in this game jam and that game jam, game jam, like when it's very obvious what you're looking for, but not desperate, um, people will know. 
and people um luckily enough amidst everything that's going on i feel like we can um see the positivity in that there's so much overflowing support for everyone um and so um i was reached out by folks letting me know that there was a writing opening at firatsis and that's sort of like where um i had my first official job at like you know triple a in the industry um i feel like um when people ask why like when you knew you wanted to be ads for anything um oftentimes we forget that for a lot of people me included i know that i go onto tangents a lot and i do apologize and i should have oh, put that disclaimer in the email but <laughs> it should it's have. totally fine no it's okay but the idea here is that it is a sequence of events so because they're so related to one another because there is so much causation happening um you know again throughout the 24 years of somebody's life 23 my bad i just look at the thing and it's 24. um but yeah so yeah well i um, see i agree i mean i see exactly what you mean it's like everything is interconnected like i could i could probably pinpoint one moment when i realized that i wanted to be a writer and but i think a lot of things happen after that that just reinforce my feeling more and more every single time there is not one single event even before then i had already done some creative writing that i'd enjoyed even in, in primary school but yeah and well of course it's um You've you worked in AAA development and such, and you work with uh, big teams as well. You mentioned that you manage 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 or managed uh, a team of twenty four developers uh, working on a visual novel. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> is there a particular development challenge that left a mark on you? Any big learnings you might want to share with other devs? few things I want to share. One is very random, but very right. brief. Um, I think I need more coffee because I am 24 years old with three months and 11 days. Um, I had to look up my own age. Um, <laughs> Google, how old am I? I digress. I just wanted to clarify that's so why I'm not lying on the spotlight. Sorry about okay. that. Um, regarding the development. So, um, AAA development um you know you you do have what feels like a writer's room in essence because you have i mean we had a very small number of writers right Mm -hmm. um so we would just sort of like ping pong ideas from one another so and that would sort of like create the narrative of the project um very collaborative and again at a very small scale ironically for it being you know triple a regarding um the 20 something because um i say that number because there's a lot of people that sort of like you know um came to the discord server to help or because they wanted to port or because hey Mm -hmm. i don't have time now because this this was a game game that started december 1st i and my friend who's an artist and worked at liquid development we were the only ones who had triple a experience um at the time of the development we had folks who sort of like um you know um juggled or like you know dabbled in like you know game development but for the most part no one had gone through the game development pipeline other than my friend and i no one um or if they had gone through a pipeline it was you know a writer's room in hollywood or perhaps it was sort of like you know a, a smaller scale project um it was never to this scale so we, but the thing is, we started planning by November 17th, so, like, you know, we didn't sort of, like, you know, jump into the game jam and everything, so, like, mid-November, 
uh, we set up like a production pipeline uh, for the entire project. We had a Notion board that had Kanban boards. Notion, yes, I approve. <laughs> I yeah, so trip. we had a Notion board with sort of like timelines, um, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, this is where we're going to spend time in pre-production. This is production. This is post-production. Nice. And then there's going to be play testing. And also we gave ourselves like a window of three days, I believe, or a day extra to mm -hmm. do troubleshooting. We had, um, I don't really like hierarchies personally, but mm -hmm. there's times where like a project scale get, you know, warrants sort of like that last, you know, um, project management tool that I had to, so we had a bit of a hierarchical structure where we had, um, okay, so we have a couple of people that do sound design. We have some that do marketing, production, writing, obviously, some only do editing, programming, of course, mm -hmm. and we also had QA testers. Um, and so we had these different groups and then each group had their own lead that way, you know, nobody, it, it was like a good automated um, workflow. And I'll get to that in a second. First mistake that I personally made, because any errors, honestly, like were on me and not the team. So the first mistake that happened was, you know, we had one narrative lead and we had a lot of writers that were understandably like very nervous that first week when you have people who don't you who have not navigated the pipeline, you have a lot of questions. So let's get more narrative leads that are sort of like overseeing different things. Um, and you know, the role that they gave me democratically against my will, I remember being in a car with like my grandmother-in-law and my husband, and then I'm, I'm in the meeting with them, I'm in the call. And they're like, I think we need a creative director. And it's like, oh, no. oh Andrea's okay, Andrea, um, yeah, let's just gotta have, get Andrea. And so 20 people just agree to have me as an, a creative director and I'm like, uh, oh, okay, um, <laughs> um, you know, you got a girl boss every now and then. So, I mean, why not? Um, I, I honestly just answered questions though, like, um, okay. and I was there to provide mentorship and whenever, you know, like I always checked up on them, like, Hey, I see that, you know, you're sort of like, remember this game jam. Like I can see that it's 2 AM your time, like relax. Um, and so because of the pipeline and the amount of people, um we were able to almost like automate it and that's right. sort of like the interesting thing about production production and project management is i gotta work very hard to not have to work right so we worked very hard in the beginning to like plan it out answer every question possible because that's what the first week of planning is the only other hiccup that i can possibly name and by the way having two hiccups for like a month-long project and that many people yeah no absolutely amazing. that sounds yeah <laughs> sounds like and a miracle actually <laughs> yeah you got the right people on board definitely yeah for sure and then the other hiccup was that um the writers were had a lot of empathy a little mm -hmm. too much empathy oh, so what okay. they did was that they were ideating a lot and but if you stay in the ideation part for like a week and a half oh, and you yeah. have artists waiting to be assigned characters and you're still ideating you know we had a project manager who was the one who organized the notion shout out to Nash, by the way sort of like providing a pathway and a mm -hmm. route for because it's like hey this is we need to get sort of like you know the outline done and we are having a crime story and we don't know what the crime is so <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> rush you all but I'm just highlighting something. Yeah. Um, that's the only bad, like, you know, like not bad, but happy accident, right? Mm -hmm. Where we had writers that were very conscious. It's like, oh, I don't want the artists who are, you know, going to have to make characters. And then we get rid of them. I'm like, my friend has gone through art school. 
Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can spend hours upon hours, days upon days on an asset that's then gonna be scrapped. She is fine. Hmm. It's gonna be fine. But give her a character to work on, for the love of give God, she's going insane. On. She's blowing up my DMs <laughs> wanting to draw something, okay? And so was everyone in art. Yeah, and also because, you know, the the problem when spending too much time ideating or when spending too much time focusing on something is that you kind of lose track of what you wanted to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. And at some point you can end up just overthinking every single detail. And that means you cannot reach a decision because if you try to be per perfect and you try to reach the perfect idea, then you will spend a lot of time obsessing over the tiniest things. Which means then once you see them in, in action, in practice, mm -hmm. and maybe once you see those characters that you thought were perfect maybe you don't like them even and uh because they don't re they don't reflect your original idea or the story's original idea and such yeah. so might as well get started and refine along the way exactly you know how hemingway says like ride drunk edit sober like that's, <laughs> how, we, that's <laughs> yeah. how we gotta you know do this um i did you know i don't drink personally but i do think it's a good call because you just gotta put things on the page that's mm. what a first draft is yeah. like you just regurgitate whatever is on your mind mm -hmm. however this did highlight the different approach that hollywood and video games do have because again we have a lot of people that were pivoting from different industries, Hollywood included. And so folks from Hollywood have this mentality that, you know, like everything in their script has to have symbolism. Everything in the set has to have like a special sort of like meaning. But what happens with games? With game writing, it is a fascinating form of insanity where you need to accept that the player, part of my French, is not going to give a f about your story. The player <laughs> is going to play through the game very different from Hollywood approach. So Absolutely. it was fascinating being able to like, you know, provide that because, and I told people like, you know, because I was asked sort of like, you know, what my goal was with the game. I'm like, honestly, I just wanted this to be a teaching experience for everyone, not to sound condescending, but it's also like, um, we see so often people advocating for junior and entry level and associate level talent, but then it's like, are you providing them the tools needed to succeed though? Are you telling them how to navigate the industry? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, and you just sort of like tweet into the void, mm -hmm. hire more juniors, <laughs> you're not really helping. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I can, you know, I was actually talking, um, you know, in, with someone about how there's not a lot of resources on how to like manage writers, like mm -hmm. leadership uh, for writers of like leading writing teams, you have, have you noticed this, Anthony, where like there's either how to get into the gaming industry in air design, how to break into air design, and then yeah. here are my um, 50 ship titles, like, you know, GDC Yeah, talk. oh no, I have definitely noticed it, yeah. There's no way in between, it's it's so weird. There, you either have like a huge portfolio of games or you are at zero and you're trying to break in. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's strange, I've noticed it too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and I do want to highlight, like, there's, you know, everyone did an amazing job in, like, we call it small and studio. Absolutely everybody. The people that I highlight is because I don't have time to, like, give praise to 30-something yeah. people, but I want to. I really do. Um, now, you know, basically, there, there's really, like, no guidebook on sort of how to manage that team. But what I will say that helped me personally is I know the strengths of everyone. Like, I know that I can sort of, like, go to my friend Armani because Armani is unique in that they do both sound design, music, art, and narrative. Um, you know, when I need somebody who has editorial experience, there's people that, like, um, Blythe, who's sort of, like, going from 
publishing to I know yeah like editorial to sort of like narrative design um and that's a lesson for both like leadership like know the strengths of the people that you surround yourself with mm -hmm. um know what they're good at know who you can reach out for what Annie did QA editing writing mm -hmm. okay oh and also production <laughs> and production okay <laughs> all right and also um every now and then would put you like would like help out marketing and I'm just like you know you're one human. Yeah, well, Are you what, what good? I will like, say about uh, writers and, and developers, people who have a great passion for this industry, is that we can be very flexible. We can just yeah. be a jack of all trades. And it's something that I, I hear all the time. Like, for example, when I ask people, um, and this is a question that I want to ask, that I want to ask you as well, just in a second, but mm -hmm. when I ask people uh, a specific question I'm not going to say, a lot of them say, oh, um, I love this way of um game development being a place where everything i like comes together like music like sound is like an art that encompasses all arts and i think that's a really powerful thing um to, to think about and about that i think we i think your passion does come through with every single word of yours so i want to ask you even though you may have answered this before but i want to frame it differently for you why are you a game developer? What is it that drives you forward? Um, I'm stubborn. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm Colombian. Um, All right. <laughs> no, I was right, Okay, there. bye guys. Perfect. Yeah, no, That's bye. the episode uh, right there. <laughs> so what I mean by that is, um, you know, let's suffice to say, you know, it's like, um, um, I'm bi, disabled, Colombian, Latina, woman of color. I have every checklist conceivable um, right, regarding okay. being a, like a minority. And so the way that I see it is, okay, if I don't see people like me in video games, which as you can tell, I have loved for decades by now, mm -hmm. um, I'll be that person. And this may sound ambitious and it's one of those things where you got to manifest confidence mm -hmm. or else if you're not confident, then who's going to believe in you? Right. Down the line, perhaps in 10 years or 20, um, I've noticed that people like me don't receive a lot of awards in games. Mm. So I'll be that person receiving the award down the line. And that's my ambitious goal of being able to sort of like pioneer rather than like wallow in sorrow. Uh -huh. That's why I'm I a game developer. I think it's very selfless too, because I believe maybe you want to do it for representation too, like to inspire other people that they can reach the kind of achievements that you have. So you want to be that person just to show others that it is possible. And that actually brings me to another question. And this is a bit of a tricky question. So you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, uh, only if you're comfortable. But of course, part of this whole collaboration and partnership with women led games is that I want to shine a spotlight on people from, you know, female developers and people from underrepresented backgrounds who have a dream and uh, who, who want to become something and they have maybe already achieved something. So having worked in AAA development, what was your experience like as a woman developer? And you don't have to name any names and you don't have to respond if you don't feel comfortable, but just thought I'd ask. So... I'd say that the first disclaimer is that I really have nothing but good things to say about Firaxis. Like, they were super nice, inclusive. Like, let me put it this way. To show you how considerate people were at Firaxis and still are, um, whenever one of my coworkers was Colombian, so we talk in Spanish all the time. Whenever an American came into the room, he'd go, 
oh my god, don't code switch for me. Oh, I had never sort of like, exactly, right? Like one of those, like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, like so we yeah. allowed that space where, again, when you are in a predominantly white industry, then companies are going to be predominantly white. Like that's just, you know, the math is math and unfortunately. So you notice in, in the rooms where like when I was the only woman, Latina, white or otherwise, I'd notice, like you notice it, but it's also like, okay, um, I'll, I'll still speak whenever I have an idea. I'll still contribute to the conversation because there is a couple of ways to like navigate it. And you learn about this, you know, you can either quiet yourself down and cater yourself to sort of like almost like the corporate male gaze mm -hmm. or you can be yourself and you can accept that if you made it that far past the interview past the you know trials and tribulations and obstacles if you made it to that meeting room then you deserve to be there just like anybody else so it's fine mm -hmm. for you to speak now i will highlight that in game development you see how i talk a lot and I'd like to think that, you know, you're also wanting to like talk a lot. And I can see the restraint just from the camera where people get excited when making games. People get excited and want to share so many ideas that without noticing, they speak over women very often. Okay. And we pick up on that, but we develop a mechanism. And so um, there was no like rules that were written this just sort of like happened where i noticed that a coworker of mine you know sort of like spoke over me say let's say a male coworker spoke over me mm -hmm. by rats what would happen is that then a female coworker would go i'm sorry but i think that i wanted to say something oh okay and so we had this like network um where like you know whenever we noticed and we noticed when a male coworker spoke over you know either a woman non-binary or sort of like a marginalized gender we would use our turn to like give that person um you know uh, ability to share their contribution their idea what have you again it's one of those where you want to think that in the perfect world that sh that mechanism shouldn't be there but the fact that it was and that there's so many um incentives um you know to just sort of like um help women not just sort of like succeed but for example they had programs to teach you about financial literacy so right. it's not just like oh let's have an event where we all chat and have a community space because we are such allies no 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 <laughs> we are going to help you like grow your net worth like that's how you know take two and these companies were helping women um you know by partnering with other sort of like you know um organizations mm -hmm. um there were def um, definitely a lot of ERG groups that I was a part of, like employee resource groups to help women, to help Latin American folks nice. um, in those companies. So that's sort of like how, I guess, gender and race play into the AAA experience. Um, mm -hmm. Does that answer the question? It does. It does. And actually, that is very honorable of, of Fire Access to develop, to have built and developed a culture like that, because trust me i could speak to and i will speak to a lot of to a lot more um female developers and women developers over the next few weeks and we and have months. them leading fire yeah. too like fire has you know a female ceo right now they have women who are director development directors i'm sure that helps it yeah. helps a lot because it always starts at the top 
So by having women like leading right now, um, senior level, you know, developers, um, again, you know, director level, C-suit, CEO, mm -hmm. um, by having that already, it can help sort of like, you know, um, it's gonna, you know, with AAA, it's always like a gradual process. That's not yeah. as fast as we want it to be. But just knowing yes. that there were there's powerful women that I can sort of like reach out to whenever, um, award-winning women in Firatsis, um, I think is a great way because again, it's a good, um, nothing but nice things to say about them. Right. They were just very That's kind great. to me and I feel a lot of solidarity um, and had definitely a lot of generosity was, you know, given to me. Um, during my time at Firatsis, post the layoff, like they reached out so much, um, okay. and it meant a lot. It it sounds like it was a very very um, a supportive environment, which is mm -hmm. which is amazing. And uh, and and as I was and as I was saying, like I will speak to more uh, women developers over the next few weeks and months, and I'm yeah. pretty sure I will hear some horror stories. So to hear from you that in AAA development you you had such a great experience, it is actually um, reassuring in a way because I have already heard some stories that uh, I've shared maybe um, during the course of an episode but like if uh, the, the episode with Astro Clock Tower Studios I still remember it when I asked those ladies um, do you think that you you've had difficulties finding a publisher for Crystalla their game because you're all a women-led studio and they said sometimes we even consider sending in a male colleague to do a pitch so oh. they because Crystalla is a good game yeah. if you play the, their demo it, it is a good game but sometimes you just it's it's just how the industry is built but it's great that you had a great experience with Firaxis and um it shows that you know change and progress is possible which is which is great one another thing that transpired from from our chat so far is that there's a lot of like I can see a lot of resilience in your story like a lot of uh, you know, when you mentioned that you were networking and also applying every single night and, and, and doing all of those applications. So here's here's a little bit of a question that I don't know if you'll have an answer to, but do you have any, with every all the people that you've met, mm -hmm. do you have any heroes in the industry, anyone you look up to? Oh, I actually made a list about that. All um, right, okay. <laughs> well, no, yeah, so here's the thing. Um... I'm of the mindset and philosophy that you should never idolize anyone, myself mm -hmm. included. You should never idolize a person. They are human. You yeah. can't put them on a pedestal. You cannot burden them with those expectations. Um, and you also need to respect like parasocial boundaries. Second of all, don't ever idolize a studio. Mm -hmm. It's a studio. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we often see people who want to sort of like you know they are you know straight out of college and are ha have are laser focused on this one studio they really really want to get into. Don't mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Instead, look forward, look at people that you'd like to work with. Who would you mm -hmm. want to work with and collaborate? And then try and see if it's a studio that aligns with your values. So that piece of advice aside, um, I do um, really admire, um, let's see, there's Chantal Ryan. Um, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Dark web streamer. Dark um, web Chantal streamer. Ryan, definitely, uh, because... Um, Chantal has managed to generate a lot of like investments for what you would think would be a very niche game um, because it's emergent narrative and even so you know another great person in the emergent narrative space um, that is it's one of those where you need to talk about it um, there's Tanya Ed Short there's Kat Manning um, 
um, who all have sort of like, you know, varying degrees of, you know, specializations um, in the um, emergent narrative, sorry, yeah, emergent narrative and proc gen space. Because um, Tanya literally did like the book on proc gen storytelling. Um, and Kat has worked on, I believe, collaborated in Blazeball and has done a lot of other work with emergent narrative and written about it. So definitely sort of, um, you know, really admired them. Um, let's see, there's, um, Emily Pitcher, um, you know, studio owner of Sundering Studios, um, I mean, Charmaine, you know, Charmaine. obviously, Charmaine, obviously. Go, yeah. um, saying, um, Emma Kidwell, um, who was a writer at Firatsis, you know, great person overall, and it's one of those where, yeah, if you go, like, I'm surprised that Emma doesn't have a, a Wikipedia page kind of thing, you know, um, so... <laughs> Um, let's see, Ronica Hanna and Carolyn Guevara are also two people from um, Firatis that I really look up to. Ronnie had just overall like um, star when it comes to production, and um, Carolyn I really really loved. Um, what was it? Well, she's a great friend, and also it's just like kind of one of those art managers that's like always looking out for their devs first and foremost, and always advocating for them. Um, Alina Madsen, um, CEO of a Glossbird, um, you know, just very chill, very down to earth, despite like, again, sort of like having investments and, you know, being in the scene and stuff at like such a leadership level. And also Alina did something which is pivoting from tech to gaming and then founding the studio, which is going so good. Like just, I've sort of like, you know, seen like the US of the app and it's really, y'all should check it out. It's called Fitment, I believe the project that Glassbird has going on. Um, let's see. Uh, there's Christina uh, from Raya Games, uh, okay. you know, narrative designer. So if anyone sort of, you know, um, again, with sort of like with games that have so, so many like, you know, dev vlogs, always look to see like who the dev speaking is mm -hmm. and try to look up their work because chances are that I probably, you know, really admire their craft already as it is. Um, Hmm, let me think. I feel like that, that's, well, yeah, it's a bit of I'm, a lengthy list. I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed that you remember all these names without having to to look at them because that's, that's, that is a long list. And I hope that the listeners will yeah. look each one of them up or if not each one of them yeah, up. Yeah, there's also Carla Reyes, uh, um, okay. you know, who um, I'm working, I'm collaborating with Carla as a consultant in Anima Interactive, just overall very chill, very like, you know, open. Mm -hmm. um, um, like studio head who really, really takes them like you know the project with a lot of care. Um, I, the thing is, like, um, how do I say this? If you can ask a guy what his favorite soccer team is, and he's sort of like they can name immediately. Sorry, su equipo favorito de fútbol as uh -huh. God intended, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> why not do the same? Like, these are women that, you know, hopefully I'll get to sort of, like, work with in the future, or I've worked with them in the future so I can extra vouch for, like, you know, how good they are. Like, these are people that have helped me and defined me in, like, my uh, career. Cristina Amaya, who, by the way, anybody affected by layoffs listening to this, Cristina Amaya, who's also from Colombia, by the way, um, president of Latinx in Gaming, um, and has, like, a team of powerful women. Silvet in PRGDA, Cora y Rosario leading PRGDA, like, a lot of women, powerful women. Elaine Gomez, I think, is now, um, very high up in that organization. They have a Slack channel 
that is for people in the industry affected by layoffs. Mm -hmm. I'm in it. You know, we have resume reviews. You have channels to ask for referrals if you know somebody's out there willing. So um, they have a specific email. So please look up Cristina Amaya, A-M-A-Y-A, Silkris, um, like online. Um, either her or Alex um, should, um, A-L-I-X, um, should have uh, the email that you have to contact. Okay. Um, yeah. Last person, I mean, again, Liz can go on. Yeah, so five. <laughs> um, last person I can think of is Chrissy Felmuth because, like, every time that something happens, we're always like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, we got to unionize. And so Chrissy went, yeah, let's fucking unionize. And is actually, you know, leading the strategy right now um, and helping people. And if people want to volunteer and unionize this industry, you can schedule a Calendly call with Chrissy. Like, you know, she said it was fine for me to share this. You can okay. schedule a call with um, using like a Calendly link that Chrissy has in like the Game Developers Guild Discord and just talk to her and ask how you can volunteer. Because I did that. Because why sit around and sort of like beg for unionization, but then not do anything? Huge shout out, by the way, to Belinda Garcia and Katie Canning, my mentors. Um, like, um, you know, Katie's also a writer at Shark Mob, and like, Belinda did Call of Duty and is just fucking amazing. Um, she's, yeah, and Sledgehammer, um, Crystal Dynamics. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I'm just very lucky to know a lot of women who are like that powerful in this male dominated industry. And so, if just saying their names um, can help people. Like realize that you know your your timeline does not have to be predominantly male dominated. It can also have these women that you learn so much from. That's the other mm -hmm. thing. They are always sharing like resources. I know Ash Poprick um, has a thread on like sort of like how to get into narrative design, mm -hmm. and they've got GDC talks. Like Nessa Cannon also has GDC talks. Chantel's gonna have a GDC talk. Like these are women um, that I look up to, and I follow them because they have their feed just full with resources that are free talks that are free threads that are free notion boards like javiera cordero's where you can like um javiera cordero and emily leonic they have like notion boards which we love where you have like a campaign board of every single job application and then it can be like are you preparing for it have you applied are you waiting and then have you received and then in the ticket you know it says like um, what's the job description? What's yeah. going to be your cover letter? Who do you know that you can contact about the role? That one's important, right? So, Vera mm -hmm. Cordero's resource is another one that I really, you know, and, you know, encourage folks to sort of like look into. It's definitely a great list of inspirational people and I will absolutely follow everyone who I'm not already following. Um, Chantal, of course, I know I follow and I think a lot of other names that you mentioned, but I will double check everything because I too want a better timeline. Um, Don't we I all? Think, yeah, exactly. But I think we're almost out of time. Uh, it's been a lovely conversation. One, actually, I've got two more questions for you, but okay. one is easy. The, the last question that I have for you is something a bit more fun to wrap things up, which is, mm -hmm. well, fun, could be deep too. Imagine writing a letter to yourself, but uh, say maybe in your college years, what would you say? Oh, my college years. Um, apply the, you're a licensed time management tutor, apply that to yourself. 
<laughs> rather than just telling it others. No, seriously, I am a licensed both like writing tutor and time management tutor. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I'd also tell her about the Pomodoro method because I could have gone on, like I could have gone so many things done right away. Um, and again, this is for me. I'm I don't force this on anyone, but actually become a morning person because I'm struggling out here. Um, and I'm waking up at like. The earth, one time I woke up at 6.47 a.m. and I thought that was weird. Mm -hmm. um, I woke up at 8 today, like, well, you know, it's the morning. I'm unemployed, but, like, I'm getting... The sun is out. It's the sun is out. Is yeah, out. It counts. It counts in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, so get your habits straight up now. Do the couch to fitness thing because your stamina is awful because you haven't done physical education since age 14 because <laughs> disability. So... Mm -hmm. The other one is getting to code Coven, really. Because now it's a weird thing where, like, I'm too... I think I'm overqualified, and I'm like, no, no, trust me, I want to learn. So I'm just, like, getting to code Coven now. Um, I don't know. Um, because, again, it's one of those where, like, those are extra toppings. I'm fine with how my life turned out right now. I mean, I'm in, like, my dream apartment. Um... God, like, I wasn't married in college and I am now. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, life course, turned yeah. out great for me. Um, and I'm able to help out so many people. And that's really, like, what I get the most joy out of, just helping out people and telling stories. And by telling stories is my way of, like, you know, I really appreciate that you labeled it as selfless. But I there's, for example, a correlation, like, when you sort of, like, you know, see in the news sort of, like, um, the articles about, um, you know, the first black woman to ever get, like, a PhD in, like, these five different, you know, STEM male-dominated fields. That's amazing, right? Like, we need more of that. We need more BIPOC people sort of, like, being that because I then keep seeing them come up more often. I keep seeing the news articles come up more often. More women getting into STEM, more women getting into, like, these male-dominated and then being celebrated, like, across the board. So... I want to hop into that. I want to also be like, you know, we have sort of like, um, like, let's also have sort of like a wave and like a train of, you know, support and stuff and mm -hmm. just the media featuring um, Latinidad in a positive light um, of achievements and success, prosperity, and not just what it's currently doing without getting into it too much. Perfect. Well, uh, it's it's interesting to see the difference between the vast majority of people who answer to this question and uh, your answer, because a lot of people just say, you know, the, the, the usual things that you would say to maybe someone 10 years younger, but still, still yourself, which is just do it, it's going to be fine, it's going to turn fine. But you actually pro would provide a list of actionable advice, which I think oh, yeah. is super practical, and I think it's super useful. So that's... Yeah. That's amazing. I know um, how insane I was back then, and I'm like, so don't do that. I'm the opposite. I'm not, I'm not a, just do it, it's gonna be fine. No, no, no. You're gonna do it anyways. I know you. Yeah, it's not okay. going to be as fine as you think it is. You think you have it under control right now. You think you have, like, your calendar set up and you're micromanaging your schedule. You don't. Okay. Use the Pomodoro method. Use XYZ. Yeah. Um, you know. Okay. I've been through four burnouts by age 24, like I just checked, so, mm-hmm. I've learned a thing or two, and I would tell her to do that. Exactly. Maybe it would save you one burnout or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully perfect. all four. Or four. All four, hopefully. But yeah, so, well, Andrea or Andrea? Andrea. <laughs> Andrea, yeah, so that's exactly how you would say it in Italian. Yeah. 
thank you for a beautiful conversation. We've, we've, we've went through so many things and so, and it's great to hear your story and all your ambitions and such. I have thank only you. one last question for you, which is where can other people find you? And if they do, what is the best way to support you? Um, so it's, um, at Saravia PT, like all over sort of like, you know, social media, um, A S A R A V I P A P T. Sorry. Um, so that's like on Twitter and stuff. Um, I also have a coffee page, um, where, um, so I, I'm basically a freelance narrative designer and also career coach because I have notifications turned on, on around 17 job boards. And if you look up, um, you know, we have something called Net Renaissance Hat Productions. It's a Discord server. We have four job um, board bots. And then we have five bots for networking events in a community that's constantly growing. So for that, com I provide that community. And then also, um, I basically offer people mentorship um, where I give mentorship, invites to events, um, I also answer questions about the industry, what AAA is like, how do I, you know, negotiate, how do I set my rates, any and all questions about the industry, whether you're transitioning, whether you were affected by a layoff and need further mentorship. A lot of career coaches, Anthony, what they do, and this is for all the listeners, they charge hundreds upon hundreds of dollars, um, sometimes in the four digits for one consultation, per consultation, sorry. So that's, oh, let's say that somebody's charging like $300, that's $600 that you paid for one, you know, getting edits and two, going over the edits. I do a flat fee of $150 um, for unlimited consultations. And um, I don't put a limit on it because I don't think that career growth should impede you, uh, like should be impeded by like, you know, your budget. But likewise, because I always vouch for like fair compensation for, you know, workers, I feel like I should apply that. And I've had people, some of my mentees, they deliver pizzas and they tell me, hey, Andre, I'm saving up for my shifts. And I'm like, you don't have to worry about paying. Like, you know, we do payment plans to make it affordable because I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm offering in my coffee page, ko-fi.com slash um, and it'll be called Renaissance Hat Productions by Andrea. So you can commission art because I also do art. You can commission writing, you can commission editing, or you can commission just overall career growth and assistance from somebody who's gone through it and who has gone through a triple A. Um, Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it sounds like you, you have the passion and willpower to help a lot of people. And of course, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Andrea, for your time. It's been beautiful speaking to you. This will be a beautiful episode that a lot of people will relate to and also will love to listen to. And uh, yes, I mean, best of luck with your next role. It sounds like whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm crossing my fingers. Thank you. All right, and that's a wrap on another episode of the Indie Diarist. And that was a bit of a longer episode, but I hope you guys enjoyed it all the same. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Andrea, of course, Andrea, sorry, um, for being such an amazing guest. Your passion for the industry shines through every word of yours. Your enthusiasm is incredible and I do truly wish you all the best. Let's stay in touch, as we mentioned. Uh, if you guys did enjoy the episode, please subscribe to the show because there's a lot more coming. 
and uh, you can, um, you know, support me in a lot of different ways now. You can join the Discord, you can uh, subscribe on YouTube, you can subscribe on Patreon and Coffee, patreon.com slash theindiediarist, but you can also find uh, all of my links on theindiediarist.com. If you are an indie game developer, please get in touch, because I would love to hear from you and tell your story to my amazing and beautiful listeners. So, I'll speak to you next time.